And welcome to the Hero Ball Podcast. This is Ethan Huffman, and I'm speaking with Richard Davison today. Richard, how you doing, pal? Doing well. Uh, really excited to talk about uh, some of the um, big and small uh, deals that were made in free agency. Uh, and uh, really, really excited to talk about my team. The Pistons made a splash. I'll, we'll get into it, hopefully. Splash might be a little generous in terms of terminology there, Richard, but I appreciate the enthusiasm. So let's start. go ahead and start. We, um, we want to talk about Paul George to get this trade started, Sat, uh, get this day started. Sadly, our, our resident Pacers fan, Elkin, won't be here, but I'm sure we'll get back around to it with him later. Um, so Paul George to OKC for Oladipo and Sabonis. Nothing more exciting than that. Just – just a couple, couple of players there. Richard, you got to let me hear your take on um, how this goes. Well, I, I mean, I think all across the NBA and any NBA fan out there, when you, when you saw the trade break, you were thinking to yourself, you know, only Oladipo, only Sabonis? Uh, are there first-round picks to be thrown in or anything? But it was basically just straight up Oladipo, Sabonis, for Paul George, and you have to wonder, was that the best trade that uh, Indiana got for Paul George? I mean, you have to assume that there were others out there. I mean, uh, you know, there's rumors from Danny Ainge saying, you know, the, the types of trades he offered. Now, whether you believe that or not, it's up to you. But uh, you know, you've got to believe that there was something better than a large contract Oladipo and um, – you know, a guy in the bottom part of the lottery last year, it's a bonus. I mean, I, I don't know. What do you think about this, Ethan? Well, like you said, I can't imagine this was the best offer available. I, I just – I basically refuse to believe that was the case. Um, with a guy like Danny Ainge and how many big deals he's allegedly orchestrated that just they fell apart on the last moment, I don't necessarily believe him when he says, oh, we offered this, that, and the other. And so, like, even though I respect reporters who do their work and try to get the, the scoop, so to speak, I don't necessarily trust them in, the, in regards to if he got the information from the Celtics or well, they could be bad information. So, but, yeah, there's, there's, there's got to have been something better than this because Oladipo is, is a nice player. He's a nice player, but he's going to be overpaid because of the, the – the spending frenzy of 2016, and Sabonis is just a, a guy. You know, he, he at, at best his career will end up being a ninth man for a really good team, and right now he's going to be like a fifth man for a pretty mediocre team. It's a pretty bad team, depending on how how the uh, current players on the Pacers continue to develop. Overall, it's just. Uh, an Indi- Indiana Pacers trading for the IU guy because they know some seats will be filled, even with a bad team, for the Indiana prospect. So, how long till Cody Zeller gets traded? How long? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want to talk about a Zeller trade or or whatever. I for, for for me, as I look at this, I wonder. Okay, if it's not the best deal that Indy could have gotten, why did they make this trade? Uh, I mean, there was talk that. You know, leading up to the draft, that the Lakers would offer, you know, their weak picks at the end of the first round, uh, but then perhaps offer, you know, if if really you know strung out, maybe offer, um, you know, some some of their young guys not named Brandon Ingram, uh, and, and so 
I mean, I don't know if I would have taken that, but you have to think that Boston would have had something. I, I imagine like the that somehow there's some miscommunication between Indiana and Boston in that one of one of them, you know, I guess probably Boston probably wanted to make the deal. I mean, for Boston, you want to try to sign Hayward first and then go and make the trade for Paul George. Uh, and so somehow you think that there's got to be some miscommunication between those two teams because, I mean, Pacers pulled the trigger before free agency even started. Uh, and Or I guess, yeah, right, right around uh, the time it was about to begin in the afternoon before the uh, moratorium began. And so I, I don't know what happened, but, uh, I mean, Danny Ainge has got to be kicking himself uh, seeing a move like this happen. Uh, but if you're Sam Presti, uh, you know, you don't have the guarantee that Paul George is going to stay. But, I mean, you have to make this move if you're him, don't you? Yeah, you absolutely do. Because he's, the, based on what I've always seen from Paul George, is he, he kind of has the, the, the words to say he wants to be the number one guy, but you don't see him um, being that guy a lot of the time. And so playing alongside Westbrook, I think, will actually suit him well. Well, he'll get his moments of being the guy if um, if uh, Billy Donovan's smart enough to stagger some minutes throughout the season. We'll we'll we'll, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that because I have my doubts. But mm-hmm. the last thing I want to mention is if you did a deal with the Lakers, tell me if this deal is not better. If you can get Julius Randle and picks, I, there might have to be a, you might have to take on some of the contracts. I'd have to I'd have to I mean, go to the trade machine. You could take on Jordan Clarkson too. I mean. But see, if I'm the Pacers, I, I don't want those years. Even though we're going to be, st- we're going to stink. So basically, like the, the the thing I wanted to bring up though is, if Julius Randle doesn't want to stay in Indiana, like if he's lived in California and lived in LA for a while, and that's the kind of lifestyle he's grown accustomed to, and he comes to Indiana and doesn't like it, then you end up paying him some more dollars that you're going to be paying Oladipo, in 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 theory. Whereas if he actually is interested in coming mm-hmm. to Indiana, you might be able to sign him this this coming offseason. So that's just the last thing I wanted to mention is you're gonna like if you get a young buck that that um that doesn't want to be there, you're gonna end up overpaying him too. And at least Oladipo, in terms of he's been in Indiana before, he um he's got th- the ties mm-hmm. of the area that are generally speaking irrelevant. But for the sake of a team that doesn't ever like want to completely bottom out because it's got a fickle fan base in terms of attendance, you, 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 need, a, you need something that gets give you a draw. And that's what this does. That's the reason it's not the worst trade. It's just a bad trade, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think that there's many people who think that this was uh, a, a fair trade to, to begin with. I mean, most people would, would say, you know, I mean, OKC swung in. And, and just going for the home run here, hoping that perhaps they can re-sign Paul George at the end of this year. And uh, and the same thing, same thing for um, Russell Westbrook. I mean, there is the chance that both of those guys could leave and bolt. And uh, I mean, that would be unfortunate for them, but you gotta, you gotta admire what Sam Preston has been doing. He essentially uh, turned Ibaka into, uh, I mean, he traded mm-hmm. Ibaka last year, got uh, Oladipo and Sabonis from it, and then went and flipped this for Paul George, and you do that 100, you know, 100 times out of 100 if, you are, if you're him. And this leads us into our next topic here. Uh, um, Ibaka ends up getting three years, $65 million from the Raptors, as well as Kyle Lowry returning three years, $100. Um, with both of these, Ethan, how do you feel about them? 
I like the Kyle Lowry returning. He kind of is the main reason for the Raptors being a relevant team. And I'm even though the, the Heat didn't pay Dwayne Wade in this in last year's offseason, it's a little bit of a different scenario because Kyle Lowry is still pretty close to the peak of his powers as a player. Now, maybe in that last year of this contract, that's when he'll, his drop could come. But regardless, he's a guy that I said you you most definitely need to retain. The thing with Ibaka, though, is I'm just not an Ibaka fan. I wasn't an Ibaka fan when he was had his peak years in an OKC. I thought he was just a, 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 a I thought he was just a guy then as well. But specifically with the Ibaka money, I would have liked them. I think as a smarter move to try to retain two players, a Patrick Patterson and a uh, PJ Tucker. And you might be even like you could do a three-year contract for both of them and maybe spend even less than 65 million. So just financially, I just don't think Serge Ibaka was the right move here. Unless you want to start trying to play him at center full time. That's, I think that's the only position that he provides a real value at, but then that value is lessened by the money you're paying him still. So I just don't like the move. Like, that's just my personal opinion. But I also am a bit of an Ibaka hater. Well, I mean, that's fine. But it really begins to make sense when you look at it this way. Uh, I mean, I don't don't think I would have done it if I'm the Raptors, although with the way the East is just being to crumble minus LeBron, uh, I mean, I guess you can run it back. but essentially, that's what they're doing. They're, they're trying to get the pieces that they have, all the main ones. Obviously, use PJ, PJ Tucker, Patrick Patterson, probably. Um, but getting all their big pieces back and just trying to say, well, let's go ahead and do this for a couple more years. Uh, and the way that they are doing it is because you know, the reason why I think Ibaka's contract may be a little bit inflated for you is because Ibaka and Lowry have the same agent. And I could really see... Uh, it, you know, there's been talk that something like this uh, is go ha- would be going on there. That if Lowry's agent, who also happens to be Ibaka's agent, would bring back Lowry, then you're going to have to fork over a little bit more for Ibaka and overpay the lesser of the two. Um, and sometimes I think you can see this a few times, and, and I think that you may see this again happen in free agency, and we'll. Uh, kind of foreshadow that for near the end of the pot. But I think that may be why Ibaka is making more money. Um, but I don't know if you can put him at center because you got uh, Jonas Valanciunas there. And so uh, you really don't have quite the team makeup that you probably want, and it's probably not enough to go and beat LeBron. So it makes you wonder, is it really worth it? I guess you do get some years of relevancy in the East. Uh, you're probably going to be – the second, you know, third, second or third team, depending on how Boston plays this uh, in the East this year. I guess, and depending on where Gordon Hayward goes, I guess that's the big thing. If he goes to Boston, then Boston's obviously up above them. If he goes to the Heat, I put the Heat above them. Uh, but I mean, they're really just putting themselves in the top half of the Eastern Conference. Which I guess, does that really matter? Unless you're LeBron, I, I don't know. And even then, you're you're forgetting about the Wizards. The Wizards aren't going to be that much yeah, worse true. next year. Granted, if, if Otto Porter leaves, they they will take a a, a step back. But I like John Wall and Bradley Beal are really really good players. And I think, while I don't necessarily think Scott Brooks is a great coach in terms of X's and O's, I think he's a really good player and power. 
He, he makes the players feel confident and feel good about the way they're going to play. And I think that they're going to take another step in terms of those two. The rest of the team might not help them overall, but they're going to still be relevant in the East. I mean, but they're not going to – like if the Heat were to get um, Hayward, I could see the the Raptors being the fifth best team behind the Celtics, Wizards, and Heat. Like I don't, and I don't think that's inconceivable. Yeah, I think just by doing this move, you basically assure that you're going to be in the playoffs for the next three years. And that's important for a team that doesn't have a, a rich playoff history. So let's move on to a team that has has had a rich playoff history from time to time in their um, history, but has been really bad lately, and that is the 76ers. They signed J.J. Redick to a one-year $23 million deal. And personally, I'm a big fan of this deal in terms of what it um, says about where the league is right now and about the uh, the chances teams are willing to take. Redick is a perfect fit for this team. Might be a little undersized defensively, for you know, and the, the whole team could be have some problems, especially if Embiid misses a number of games and isn't their rim protector. But I really like this this signing for the Sixers, giving them an elite elite shooter. Yeah, I think this is a phenomenal trade for them because uh, th- what I was worried about or as I was hearing, okay, Redick to the Sixers, as I was thinking about that, the thing I was worried about for them wasn't so much the money involved uh, because they had lots of it, but the years involved. And for for me, getting Redick on a one-year deal, uh, you know, giving you, you give him – 23 million this year, fine. Uh, but getting it for a one-year deal means that you don't really have to worry about how he affects your cap in the future once you begin to have to extend some people. This year, they're going to have to extend Covington. Uh, and they have left themselves some money to do that. Uh, but when they got to start extending Embiid, when they got to start extending Ben Simmons a couple of years down the road, and then Fultz after that, they're not going to want to have this mammoth contract Um and that's probably why they went after someone like Redick on a one-year deal as opposed to a KCP uh, over extended period of time, even though he fits the time, like the, the age group, age, I guess, parameters of their team better. Um, this not only gives them a great shooter, but a great locker room influence to really help the young guys uh, along and, and learn how to play, learn how to be NBA players. I think this signing along with the one-year signing of Amir Johnson, even though that's, in my opinion, that's over a really big overpay, it really gives them veteran influence, but also doesn't affect their ability to offer bigger contracts to their own guys, their own, you know, big name young guys in the upcoming years. Were the Colangelo still in Toronto when Amir Johnson played there? I don't know. But I, I, I don't know. I'm throwing that out as a, a reason that Amir Johnson was targeted by the, the, the Sixers. Uh, that could be just absolutely far, false. And, you know, the, the podcast is worse off for it, but I'm just throwing out theories and ideas. But yeah, $11 million for Amir Johnson is a gross overpay, but you know what? He's going to come in there. He's going to show up every day. He's probably going to throw in some good work. And you know, if anyone like Rashad Holmes could really benefit from a guy like Amir Johnson and someone who's not overly skilled, but is a very you know promising player as a backup it, it's, a, it's a fine signing. When you have cap space, you might as well use it. Um, glad it's a one-year contract. Glad it's a one-year contract. Yeah, and I think all that's by design for them. They're, they weren't going to offer anything 
more than one year this year. And I think that uh, if you're the Sixers, you got to be happy with the way this offseason has unfolded. Yeah. And just one more thing on Reddit, then we'll move to the next guy. I like the idea of throwing a lot of money at a guy. And then if, if hypothetically he has a great, great year, you can then look to uh, negotiate for a longer term deal with less money involved. Like that's the kind of thing, like, you know, you throw some goodwill his way. And then, you know, maybe he's more willing to stay for a little bit less. You know, kind of like what the Spurs have done over their years with some of their vets, that they do these one-year deals and they just kind of balloon up or go down depending on how much um, they're able to bring in from the open market. I think that's a smart tactic to use if you can get away with it. Yeah, I think the Spurs, just because of the way their system is, you know, it's a Spurs system and it's Popovich run and everything, and so there's some draw to that. Um, I don't know if you see that quite as much in Philly yet. Uh, I do think someone like Amir Johnson theoretically could re-up there for a number of years uh, to provide some veteran presence, especially near the end of his career. He probably wouldn't mind being carried along by a team that he kind of mentors uh, into maturity. Um, process. I think, yeah, yeah. For for Redick, I I don't know if he'd quite be that guy, but you know what? It's okay. I think that he is – uh, a really, really great contract this year. Spurs culture wasn't built in a day, Richard. Um, let's go ahead Fair enough. and talk about your boy, Langston Galloway, to the Pistons for three years, $21 million. Now, you are the resident Pistons fan here. Let's go through your head and what's in your mind about how this affects a certain KCP. Well, when I first saw the trade, I was super confused and I was, I had no idea why the, like going into free agency, uh, it was my understanding, okay, we're going to try to resign KCP. And when we do that, we're going to be flirting with a luxury tax and be in a situation where we're going to have to move some deals anyways, uh, in order to not go above it. And then I see Langston Galloway to the Pistons for three years, 21 million, that's seven a year. And I thought to myself, okay, well, what does this mean financially for the Pistons? Like, what happens now if a team uh, like a Brooklyn offers the max KCP? And I found out that we would not have been able to match it right away. We probably, I I was um, assured by some of the Pistons beat writers that, you know, they have moves to shed salary to retain KCP because that's been their big thing of importance this year for uh, for, the, for the Pistons. Retaining KCP is the number one priority. Uh, and so um, as I looked down, I'm like, okay, this, is, this seems to be a pretty fine um, thing to do because the Pistons really uh, needed a um, another guard. Uh, we, we did draft um, Luke Kennard, uh, but he's a rookie, and, and you know it's okay if rookies don't, especially in the bottom half of the lottery, don't get tons of playing time right away. What I see here is the Pistons get a an, another backup two guard, which we really did not have last year, who has the ability to do a little bit of ball handling. I wouldn't want him to have to take all the responsibilities, but what happens if Reggie Jackson's knee continues to act up? Then you get to some backup, um, you know, kind of a, kind of a combo guard there, and he's a guy who can shoot threes and play defense. And so that's uh, if you're the Pistons, that's great. I think it's a great get for them. Um, but you, we wondered how it would affect their salary. And I think now um, the, the the market for KCP seems to be drying up, uh, which as a Pistons fan, I, I love that. That's great for me. Uh, I don't see many teams that could really 
offer anything. You know, the Sixers were one team that uh, was rumored to be going potentially after him. Well, they didn't. They went the route that we just talked about. Uh, Brooklyn's um, a team that that perhaps could as well, but they just got D'Angelo Russell, obviously a different position, but it's a young guard, and they also have um, uh, you know, Karis LeVert, who they got, who they may want to go through and develop as well. And so it's then talk about maybe they won't offer such a big deal uh, to KCP, um, you know, perhaps. Then it leaves you with really with Atlanta as the other team, now that they've lost uh, Paul Millsap, they're not going to be bringing him back. They have tons of cap space, but they have Tim Hardaway Jr. at the same position, who's also one of their restricted free agents. So it would make more sense to them, in my mind, to bring him back and not go after someone like KCP. And so if, I, if for me, if I'm the Pistons, I'm wondering how low of a contract can I sign KCP to now? Maybe uh, I don't have to worry about unloading some salary in order to keep him in and not hit the the, the tax um, uh, hard cap. Um, but you know, I don't know how low it can go. I mean, we're probably still going to be over the tax, but if our owner's willing to pay it, and if it means that we retain KCP at a lower value over a long while. Um, then I'm all for it. And so for me, as for the Pistons now, as we're a few days after that, I'm really liking it. And I am, um, but I am looking forward to seeing what KCP will get. And if anyone, uh, hopefully they won't, but if anyone does offer him um, some sort of uh, offer sheet, uh, you know, I'd rather see him not get anything like that and sign for a deal um, less than 20, whatever that may be. Well, I wish you luck in the less than 20 department. Um, like, what I see about the sign is it's another case scenario where Detroit probably had to overpay a guy to make him come here. Because Langston Galloway, to me, is not a $7 million player. And that's that's not a knock on him. It's just that's, that's the value. Um, I like what you said about, you know, the, the Pistons beat writers that said the Pistons – are going to retain KCP. They will find the way to shred the salary to make sure they uh, they can retain him. And I think that's important for a guy like KCP to hear, you know, however he it gets to his ears just in terms of, okay, these guys want me. They want me for whatever value I can bring. So that's that's a good thing to hear as a player. And Langston Galloway, if, if he is, you know, healthy and plays well, like two years ago when he played for the Knicks, he, he served them a real, served them really well the time he was there. So I like the signing. Like I said, as, as we talked about the death of a thousand cuts that the Pistons and other teams like the Pistons can go down by because they have to overpay just a little bit, but they have to overpay everyone just a little bit to get people to come up there. But, um, this move is important in terms of keeping KCP because y'all are moving into a new arena and you got to sell them seats. You got to make it worth its while. And you know, I, I wish wish it luck. I I I just always get nervous for these teams that um have to overpay these these like quote unquote not these quote unquote overvalued contracts because they um because they have to make moves to retain their other player. It's just it's a tough situation to be in as a as a team like the Pistons, as a team like the Pacers, they have to overpay people to come. Yeah, we can't all be Miami there. That's true. That's true. We can't all be Miami. And let's go with one more thing here before we get to our our premier topic. Uh, a, a, a guy that I'm really excited for, a guy that you were excited for at one time, let's go take a look at Ben McLemore going to the Grizz 
for two years, $11 million. Now, if you'll allow me to, uh, to talk for a second, Richard, the reason I was so intrigued by what uh, Macklemore was going to get this year is, as a Heat fan, I was looking at the possibility of getting Hayward. I thought that was real from the end of the season. And when I look at these other players that he have, James Johnson and Deion Waiters, guys I really love and they, I love that they play for my team. But obviously if you have the chance to get a proven you know, star to superstar player, you go after them and you get them. I was looking at Macklemore as even if the Kings extended a qualifying opportunity, that we would offer something that we, we could pry him away, much like we – or we could even wait till they, they pull it back and do what we did with Deion Waiters last year and just kind of you know, slide him under the rug all the way to Miami. I like that move for the Heat, and I love it for the Grizzlies as well. What the Grizzlies have struggled with for a long time is having that flash score. You know, he, if Macklemore has 30 games next year where he has a really, really good game – that deal is worth it already because the biggest problem the Grizzlies have always had is having an explosive score other than Conley and Gasol. And that's why I'm really excited for this, this move. And obviously it fits into their budget. They're retaining some players. I think this is a good way for the Grizz to stay relevant for as long as um, Conley and uh, Gasol can continue to walk up and down the court. So that's my thoughts. I'm really excited about this move, even though it is a smaller move. Do you have any thoughts on the Ben McLemore character? Yeah, I mean, when he first came out, that was someone who I was really looking for as maybe someone the Pistons should have drafted back when we drafted KCP. Obviously, now I'm happy with where we went to. But I think Ben McElroy going to Sacramento was really, I mean, that was just a terrible spot for anybody. And so I'm excited for him to get a new start somewhere else. And I think the Grizzlies are a great place. Memphis is a great place for him to, to go to. And with you, when you look at, you know, Tony Allen went down with an injury at the end of last year. And he's getting old. I wonder if they're going to bring him back. Uh, or if they do, it, I mean, probably at a very minimum salary. And so they didn't really have uh, a, a two-guard that you could look at and say, okay, this is definitely going to be the guy. And so Macklemore, maybe maybe he's a charter. Maybe he's not. Um, maybe he's coming off the bench. But he's going to get some, some run and some time. And I, I really like it for them as well. I think that, uh, you know, a two-year deal um, – is is good for him at about five million. Um, seems reasonable to to me. Um, it just the Grizzlies are now looking at a place where they the salary cap they got to be a little bit. Um, and you know perhaps they're gonna be they're gonna be okay. Um, you know, they still have to worry about a couple other roster spots as well. They only really have one center. They have a zillion power forwards on the roster. Uh, they've got to worry about um, Joe Michael Green. He's restricted free agency uh, this year. They really want to bring him back, and so they're going to be um, kind of they're going to be up near near uh, maybe perhaps into the tax. And it's not really where you want to be if you're a team in the West who is kind of middling, um, who may be fighting for you know the eight seed or, or you know, seven or eight seed. And so, uh, but I do like this move for them. It does get them uh, does get them younger at that position. And you know, I'm, I'm excited for Ben McLemore to get a new, uh, a new spot. Yeah, and in the West, it's tough to be in that middling tier, especially when, you, when your star players are the ones with lacking the continuing upside. But if you look at some of the teams around, 
Um, OKC could fold anytime because both those players, Paul George and Russ, could leave. I am not speculating those. I'm just stating a fact. The Nuggets, you know, Jokic has had one stellar year. You, you don't know how real he is. The, the Wolves are obviously going to be greatly improved. This is, this is a move that's a, a short-term deal to stay relevant and hopefully stay relevant through the tenure of Gasol and Conley. I don't, we don't need to dwell on this, but like, for, like I said, the, the Grizzlies are in a similar situation as the Pacers and the Pistons and a lot of these other teams that they, they don't have the ability to just grab anybody they want. And the one time that they did, they got Chandler Parsons. Wonderful. Yeah. So that's yeah, all. That, that was an immediate pick for them. Yeah, that, that's all I got on the Grizzlies. I, I just really like it. I think, it's a, I think that is a value contract because I think McLemore is a better player than Galloway, and he's getting paid technically less money. I mean, it's, it's semantics. These guys are both not great players, but one has a chance to be a lot better, in my opinion. So I'm excited about Galloway, so you can just you can just keep that quiet. <laughs> well, I just want I just want you to realize the, the sadness I feel for you when the Pistons fans are excited about Langston Galloway. <laughs> well, this brings us to our last to, to our um, last topic, I believe, uh, and one that, uh, as a spiteful Pistons fan, now I can make a prediction that will hurt your heart. Um, uh, more recently. Joe Ingles signed four years for $52 million back with the Jazz. Uh, age 29, going to be age uh, 30, is a pretty long contract for, for someone of uh, – for him. I mean, he did have some sort of a market on the restricted free agency um, – yeah, you know, on the restricted free RFA market. But, uh, you know, he is older. Um, and one has to wonder – what this does with Gordon Hayward. Now, uh, I mentioned previously when we were talking about Ibaka and Lowry that because those two share the same agent, um, the lesser of the two, Ibaka, ended up getting probably more money than he probably should have. I would say this ends up being a similar situation. Joe Ingles getting four years, um, $52 million uh, with the Jazz, and Joe Ingles happens to be Gordon Hayward's best friend on the Jazz, and they share the same agent. And so uh, this is something I didn't know on last pod, but between now and then, uh, I've, I've learned that. And that makes me think, you know what, I believe Gordon Hayward uh, probably will go back to the Jazz because I think that there's some tomfoolery with the agent uh, that they both share where he says, well, if you give Joe Ingles a big contract, perhaps I can sway Gordon Hayward to remain in Utah. And uh, I think that we've seen the beginnings of that. Obviously, Gordon Hayward's going to make his own decision, but I do think that makes me lean more to where he'll probably stay in Utah rather than going to Boston or Miami. Uh, sorry about that, Ethan. What are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, you probably – you're still holding out hope that he'll go to Miami. Uh, but what do you think about Joe Ingles and then maybe the effect that that may have on – uh, Gordon Hayward. I like Joe Ingles as a player. He 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 truly gives me hope that I could still make the NBA, even though obviously he's incredible, so much better than me, and he's he's also six inches taller than I am. But it's just he, he just like if he showed up to a a kid's birthday party, you'd be you just ask him, oh, which one's yours? You know, he looks like a a straight, just super tall dad at a kid's birthday party. Like he doesn't look like an NBA player on at 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 face value, but he's a really 
he, he's obviously incredibly intelligent in the way he moves and predicts like the other person, and he just continually gets in the way. He works the angles great with his left hand, and he's an excellent passer. And he has a killer, uh, some kind of mattress commercial with Gordon Hayward, if you want to YouTube that, kids. So it's, it's really, really funny. And with that in mind, I, I, I understand the, the, the point you're making about agents and how they work. Say, hey, you get this deal to this slightly lesser client, and then we're going to bring you back the, 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 the big guy. He's going to come back to you. And, well, yeah, that's, that's – I think that's something that happened with the Raptors. But I just don't think Ibaka had a better market out there. I just don't think he was going to find a better team, better situation, and more dollars. Whereas Ingles was – there's allegedly – he was offered uh, four for 60 in Orlando. That was a Woj report. And um, that's more money. No state income tax. But it's a bad situation, right? So he comes back, 452. Great deal for him. When I look at Gordon Hayward and this decision that's upcoming, I I said like in the in the last pod that I thought he would come to the Heat, and yes, I, I threw in the fact that I am a homer in that regard because I felt like it's it's necessary to let that information be available. But I truly think it's the best situation for him. If you look at the the Utah team, it's a very slow, methodical offense, great ball movement. But if you're a guy who wants to make an all-NBA team, if you want to throw on some of these these accolades, he was a top – he was a he should have been all, on the all-NBA team by my estimation last year. But because he averages slightly less points per game because the Jazz are the slowest-moving offensive team in the league, his numbers get crunched. If you go to the Celtics, your numbers will get inflated. But you're not going to be number. You're not going to be the number one guy, even if you are the best player, because Isaiah Thomas is going to be the guy with the ball in his hands. And while that's can be an attractive situation, you know, there's, there's a, t- a guy that his name's LeBron James, and he plays with Kyrie Irving, and they both will dribble the air out of the ball. But they have found their chemistry, and they're both superior players like Gordon Hayward and Isaiah Thomas. But if you go to Miami, you're playing with a team that they all pass the ball and they all play. The only person who doesn't pass the ball in Miami is Hassan Whiteside. That's a fact. Like, uh, last year, Waiters, a guy who was known for throwing up shots, got up to four assists a game. Goran Dragic is around seven, eight, and probably six and a half is probably the actual number. I don't have these stats in front of me. It, it's it's a fun team to play in, and you will, he will undoubtedly be the guy at the end of games. Dragic will get some shots. Waiters, if you saw on the team, will get some shots at the end of the games. But Gordon will be the guy. And that, I think, is the most attractive situation while maintaining a good defensive background like with Whiteside compared to Gobert. I, I just think Miami is the best situation, and for the reasons I have, uh, have explained. I don't – I think I have – like I didn't even mention like the culture, which would be the Miami – Heat fan thing to say, like, oh, we just have the culture and not mention any other basketball reasons. I have basketball reasons for why the Heat are the best location for him. And I'm going to say, Richard, I don't buy into the the theory between agents in this specific scenario. That's fair. I do think that his if he wants if he wants to get um, all stars and perhaps all NBA um, recognition, um, you know, Going going out east is going to be better for him uh, because he's going to be more in the limelight. His team is going to be 
up near the top of the Eastern Conference standings, and I think that that's going to give him a bump. Um, in all, I think that would give him a bump in all NBA, especially because he'll be able to show his game off more um, than in Utah. Uh, I just, you know, there's the Brad Stevens connection um, for Boston. Uh, and then I think that he maximizes his scoring potential in, in Miami. Uh, you know, it just wonders, it just makes you wonder how much um, does he want to leave Utah? Uh, perhaps he, he likes situation. Perhaps he likes what they're building there. Um, the trade for Ricky Rubio. Um, I think even though he's friends with George Hill, uh, I think Ricky Rubio, um, you know, you get him at that contract value. Uh, he's an excellent defender and, and passer. And so I think that that could bring a different kind of uh, – it's something different to their team next year if they're able to retain Gordon Hayward. Um, and, you know, I, I think that the agent thing is a real thing. It I, I think that they've set it up that way, um, but it just it does come down to is Gordon Hayward making the decision or is his agent making the decision? And I think Gordon Hayward, you know, him being such a high-profile player, uh, he's not – going to just take how, the most amount of money he can get because he can obviously get that from the Jazz. Like, that would just be easy, done, you know, done. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure. It, it will we'll to see what happens, and I'm sure by the next pod uh, that you and uh, Al can do, he'll have made his, his decision, and um, we'll see if you are weeping or if you are uh, enjoying it. Well, I won't be weeping because I've already said I'm totally content as a fan that just enjoys watching good basketball to bring back James Johnson and Deion Waiters and run the whole thing back. And this year we'll win 46 games instead of 41. We probably won't have a crazy second half like we did this year. We won't have a terrible first half like we did this year. But like The last thing I want to say, though, is like with this Gordon Hayward situation, man, it's just Utah is and Miami are very similar teams. I mean, El- Elkin and I have had talked about that, and he is, he's kind of seen it and seen the way that I, I explained it. Gobert's gotten hurt more than Hassan Whiteside. Derek Favors, while superior to any power forward that the Heat can probably get or have currently, has been injured a lot and is also a bit of a an, uh, a relic of sorts as that that style of power forward. Rodney Hood has been hurt more than any guard on the Heat, and Ricky Rubio has been hurt more than Goran Dragic even though Ricky Rubio is a pretty durable player overall. All to be said, if those players that I mentioned are all kind of equals, and like Dragic is probably a little bit better than Rubio, Hood's a little bit better than the current shooting guards, like because Waiters isn't on the team, then Miami's Tyler Johnson, Josh Richardson, you know, but he's been hurt a lot. And then like if you go just keep going down, like the, the what I see is better situation in Miami. The, op- the opportunity that they'll give you whatever years and dollars you want, whereas the Jazz will probably want to lock him up more with the way their, their their organization is structured. They'll want at least a four-year deal, and they probably want the, the player option to be for the fifth, not the three for and then a three plus one. Where Miami will say, oh, you want to be here for two years? Come for two years. You want to be here for three years? Come for three years. They are going to do anything they can to bring in that superstar talent, to bring in that player that can push them up in the East and I just think the situation is more attractive. I I, I, I think Boston is, is scary to me still because of Brad Stevens. But Brad Stevens is literally the only thing that scares me about Boston because nothing on that roster makes me think it's a better situation than um than Miami. 
That's fair. That's fair. Totally. Um, I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. And um, if he goes out West, man, that West is going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, that's another reason to not stay in Utah, man. Like the other teams have required more talent. They're, they're, they're all gearing up. LeBron has said he might go West. I don't know if you want to counter it a year early, but it might be worth it. <laughs> so I'm just saying, um, Gordon Hayward, just come to Miami. It, it'll be a great decision. I, I'm i not going to dwell on it any longer. You know the, what the right thing to do is, so we'll leave it up to you. Yep. <laughs> on that note, let's go ahead and close with our uh, hero ball um, uh, philosopher quote of the week and Kobe Bryant. These young guys are playing checkers, and I'm out here playing chess. Kobe Bryant's all right. Richard, have a good one, my friend. I'll talk to you later. Yep, we'll see you.